It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, your host. we got a great show in store today uh, <clears throat> in uh, Welcome to Live Radio. I'm making a couple of adjustments as we as we come on the air here um, let me just see where I gotta be uh, fix that sorry about this just uh, fixing a couple things with the automation but coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour we're going to talk about the uh, exciting world of stem cell research with uh, an expert in the field, Dr. Ernst von Schwartz. He is, um, let me see, where exactly is he from? He's a stem cell research pioneer, to be sure. And he's written a new book called The Secret World of Stem Cell Therapy, What You Need to Know About the Health, Beauty, and Anti-Aging Breakthrough. He is an Austrian-German-American physician and researcher. He uh, grew up in Germany, but um, he's, uh, oh, if I, if I read all of his credentials, we won't have time to talk to him, so we'll, we'll save some of that for the intro coming up in uh, the third half of our three-hour tour. In the middle, the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk about uh, strokes and um, some of the... Uh, I, I don't know, maybe call them aftershocks. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to talk with, um, let me see, let me find my notes here. Um, Dr. Zachary Bohart, who um, is uh, from University Orthopedics and Tuft, Tufts Medical Center. And he specializes in physical medicine, rehabilitation, and comprehensive spasticity management. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And let's see, I think I got this uh, programming done right. Let's take a look and see if it's... Yep, looks like it's... Uh, looks like it's all set here. There we go. Now it's all set. In uh, uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, everybody loves dinosaurs. I don't know what it is. It's, it's not just the Jurassic Park movies. I remember when I was a kid having all kinds of little dinosaur models and and uh, 
and things and that's still true today and and um june 1st um national geographic and uh, paleontologist um, nizar ibrahim were uh, celebrating dinomania and uh, there's a new book um, that came out on national dinosaur day uh, let's see what are they what is the exact title of the book i think it's simply dinomania um, anyway uh, nizar was on the show about a year ago um, at this time celebrating the same thing dinomania the national dinosaur day and um and dinosaur month i think anyway we're going to be talking with him coming up in just a few minutes we got a lot of good stuff on the show today so by all means uh, stay tuned and uh, and enjoy we'll uh, turn it over to uh, nizar ibrahim paleontologist coming up in uh, well just just a moment so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse dinomania straight ahead <music> Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is um, a vertebrate paleontologist. We're going to find out what that is and a whole lot more as we uh, celebrate Dinomania, courtesy of uh, National Geographic. And um, my guest today, Dr. Nizar Ibrahim. Am I saying that right, Nizar? Yep, perfect. Good, 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 because I'm usually pretty terrible with names. But, um, Nizar, I think you were on the show last year at this same time. Um, as we're recording this, it's actually Dinosaur Day, which is the, the 1st of June. Um, but is National Dinosaur Day, is it just a day, or is... Does dinomania stretch out for a little while? Well, dinomania is, is kind of like a month-long celebration, really. Um, National Dinosaur Day is just the one day, but uh, I'm sure you'll agree uh, every day is, uh, you know, should be Dinosaur Day, right? <laughs> so it's, um, you know, there, there are actually a number of international and national dinosaur days, but June 1st is kind of the main national dinosaur day in the United States. Well, a couple things that, I, that I've got to ask you right off the bat, and I agree with you, Nizar, I think every day should be Dinosaur Day. And, and I want to get into why, why we're still so fascinated with these creatures that haven't been around for 65 million years. But um, what is a vertebrate paleontologist compared to a regular paleontologist? <laughs> well, I mean, paleont <laughs> the paleontologists are, are scientists working on extinct organisms. And what paleontologists are doing is they're piecing together the grandest, um, most amazing 
um, most incredible story out there, the history of life on planet Earth, right? And um, different paleontologists look at different kinds of organisms, right? So some of them look at extinct plants, right? So those are paleobotanists. Others are looking at extinct animals that are... Um, you know, that have squishy bodies or, you know, uh, fossilized insects or, you know, they're looking at invertebrate animals. Um, so these are um, invertebrate paleontologists. And then you've got those looking at animals with a backbone and, you know, a skeleton. Um, uh -huh. And those are vertebrate, vertebrate paleontologists. So I look at vertebrate animals like dinosaurs and ancient crocodile-like hunters and ancient mammals, those kinds of animals. What the heck is a feathered T-Rex? <laughs> well, you know, when you're thinking of T-Rex, you don't really think feathers. But um, No, I, I'm trying to picture it. <laughs> These are. Well, and, and it just, looks like a big chicken think, to me. <laughs> yeah, just... just yeah, yeah, that's not, um, that's actually pretty close. Um, here's the thing. I mean, we now know that many dinosaurs were, in fact, feathered. So we've really um, moved away from our picture of dinosaurs as kind of very, um, you know, reptilian uh, uh, creatures. Um, I should add that we do know that some dinosaurs had scales. So it's not that all our dinosaur, uh, um, you know, pictures from, from uh, dinosaur books and so on are inaccurate. Some dinosaurs had scaly skin, you know, triceratops had scaly skin and Stegosaurus with a big plate on its back had, had scaly skin. But we now also know that many dinosaurs had feathers or feather-like um, covering on their bodies. Uh, we know that in part from some uh, amazing fossil sites in China where um, uh, animals were very well preserved in volcanic ash and things that usually just fall apart like feathers are preserved. And so we know that many um, predatory dinosaurs like Velociraptor, for example, would have been feathered. Um, with T-Rex, it's a little tricky because T-Rex is obviously very, very big. We know that some relatives of T-Rex um, had feather-like structures on their skin. Um, but the, the few patches of skin we have for T-Rex um, look scaly. So, you know, it it's, was probably not fully feathered. And it's quite possible that an adult T-Rex was, in fact, not feathered um, uh, in the same way that an elephant, for example, doesn't have a lot of hair or fur, right? Elephants are mammals, but they really don't have a lot of hair because they're so big, they don't really need any extra insulation. Um, but it's quite likely that a baby T-Rex uh, would have been a very fluffy kind of creature with a feather-like downy covering uh, because that's what we see in smaller predatory dinosaurs. Um, and these structures would not have been used for flight. Um, initially, they were used for insulation to keep the animals warm um, and maybe also for display, like a peacock's tail. In, in some dinosaurs, we have these amazing tail feathers. Um, and so it's only later that some of these animals use these structures for flight. You know, for most of us, we look at, at um, animals that are still roaming the planet, like elephants and, and uh hippos and, and rhinoceroses uh, as being somewhat akin to dinosaurs because of their skin. 
and now we're learning that that perhaps dinosaurs skin was very different than that but when you talk about the feathers for the the especially uh younger t-rexes um it being insulation were those were those animals um warm-blooded yeah so we have um different lines of evidence suggesting that um, at least some dinosaurs were warm-blooded and had a very high metabolism um, and uh, that's certainly true of the predatory dinosaurs um, it also appears to be true of some of the big long-necked plant-eating dinosaurs um, but there's also some evidence that has just recently come to light suggesting that some dinosaurs, like the three-horned Triceratops, for example, may have been closer to, quote-unquote, cold-blooded uh, animals in their metabolism. Um, so there was probably a range, which is not really surprising because dinosaurs, of course, uh, were very diverse. They come in all, came in all shapes and sizes. They lived in different parts of the world. Um, and so it looks as if some dinosaurs were extremely active with a very high metabolism. Others may uh, have had to migrate, you know, um, times of the year. Um, so there was really a, a lot of diversity, not just in terms of the, the basic skeletal anatomy, but also in terms of their physiology. From the, the kind of research that, that you and other paleontologists do, Nizark, how much have we learned about the lives of these creatures, um, where they lived, when and how often they migrated, what they ate? How much can we really tell from the bits and pieces that get unearthed? Well, I mean, we, can, we have really learned a lot, and we're kind of in an interesting place because, on the one hand, we really do live in a golden age of dinosaur discoveries, right? Um, we're sometimes finding new species of dinosaur, you know, every week. Um, and sometimes it's bits and, bits and pieces, but sometimes it's amazing skeletons, you know. Sometimes we find dinosaurs, um, you know, two dinosaur skeletons locked in combat, you know, animals that died very suddenly in a, in a sandstorm. Or we find um, the remains of a meal in, in a rib cage, or we find spectacular uh, dinosaur skin. Um, so, you know, when we look at all the things we learned over the last few years, I think we're really, um, you know, in a much better position to understand beyond bones, essentially. You know, we can now reconstruct the soft tissues of dinosaurs. We can even reconstruct the brains of dinosaurs, um, which gives us a better understanding of things like, you know, the sense of smell of a T-Rex, for example. So there are amazing things we, we now know about dinosaurs. Um, but at the same time, I also tell people, yes, we live in a golden age of dinosaur discoveries, but we're still just scratching the surface. You know, the number of dinosaur skeletons that are out there just waiting to be discovered um, is is enormous, right? So we've really just scratched the surface. More with paleontologist Dr. Nizar Ibrahim straight Hello out. out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with paleontologist Dr. Nizar Ibrahim straight ahead. When we first started talking, Nizar, you you said every day should be dinosaur day, and for a lot of young kids, it is. And and why are we still so fascinated with these creatures? And how much do movies like Jurassic Park play into that love affair with dinosaurs? And and are they telling uh, relatively good accounts of what these animals might have been like? Well, I think, you know, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World um, has certainly played a big role. But um, the truth is, dinomania and this, this fascination with all things dinosaurs um, goes back much further, right? I mean... Oh, sure. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's something that um, has really started right when, you know, the first dinosaurs were, were uh, named in England. Um, but, you know, it's, it, I think you can look at movies like Jurassic Park and uh, point to, you know, the flaws and, and um, you know, inaccurate uh, uh, portrayals of dinosaurs sometimes. But we have to remember that these are, you know, these are Hollywood movies. And, you know, I mean, the, the original Jurassic Park was an amazing um, piece of filmmaking, not just because of the dinosaurs, but because of the use of, of computer-generated imagery. And, you know, it was great storytelling. Um, and, uh, you know, there was some, some good science in there, too. It, you know what? Um, it, there was just enough good science and, and good storytelling to make me actually believe it might be possible to yes exactly it was a time it was a time in in the history of science where this did kind of look plausible and so you know it, you know it was it was a, a really good movie for the 1990s um, the thing about the Jurassic Park movies, of course, and Jurassic World movies is that we have to remember that these are, you know, they're there for entertainment, you know, and so oh, these course. are not scientific, um, scientifically grounded documentary films or something. And I think really at the end of the day, we, uh, paleontologists, should, should celebrate these, these movies because um, it's, it, to me it's pretty incredible to see um, all of these people, you know, um, uh, going to the to the movie theaters to see these movies, you know these are blockbuster movies, and people go and watch them not because they want to see a certain actor uh, or something. No, they go and see them because they want to see dinosaurs. That's right. And there's really no other there's no other area in science that generates such a level of enthusiasm and interest, right? And that's something worth celebrating. And after people watch the movies, they might go to the the Natural History Museum or you know. Um, uh, you know, read a book on dinosaurs or, you know, and, and then find out more about the real science of dinosaurs. Right, right, exactly. But I I have to say, I, I'm still just as fascinated by dinosaurs as I was when I was a little kid and first learning that there even ever was such a thing. And I see the commercials uh, on television of the, the newest installment of the Jurassic Park saga and I, I can't wait to see it I, you know and and i know it's not you know the the knockoffs are not as good as the original and all that but i i still yeah i want to see those creatures <laughs> and um yeah no of course it's it's, it's, um, it's you know, really fun yeah it is fun and of course when we see dinosaur skeletons in a museum 
you know, we can't help but, but let our imagination run wild trying to figure out what these animals uh, may have looked like in the flesh. Oh, yeah, and, and how they would have moved and, and how menacing exactly. they, 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 they appear to be so menacing and, and all of that. But tell me about, um, <laughs> about National Geographic and, and Dinomania. What, what is that? all about well it's it's a celebration of dinosaurs and it's also an opportunity to to um let young people explore this this topic you know and dinosaurs of course are famously a gateway to science for kids right because there's sure. anatomy biology geology it's all in there um and they've got a great uh, website if if you go to kids.nationalgeographic.com slash animals, slash prehistoric. Um, you will find out everything about the latest discoveries. Um, you can uh, look at, you know, dinosaur posters. You can take a dinosaur quiz. But most importantly, you can find out more about the incredible range of books they have. And those books really are, uh, you know, pretty incredible. I, I worked as a scientific consultant on some of them. Um, and, you know, I have a soft spot for dinosaur books because that's really how my um, interest in dinosaurs started, right? It started with a book. <laughs> sure. Um, you are a National Geographic explorer. And how how did you become a Nat Geo explorer? Well, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you can't really apply or, or, or you know, um, uh, just write to them. Um, they reach out to you. And so, um, you know, I remember one, one evening I was, uh, at the time I was in, in Chicago and uh, just, you know, reading my emails and um, I saw this email from National Geographic telling me that, you know, they had selected me uh, to be a, a National Geographic uh, emerging explorer, it was called at the time. And, um, you know, there was a, um, a really... Um, big moment for me because, of course, over the, the next few years, I've worked with National Geographic on a wide range of, of projects. You know, I've worked on exhibit projects, I worked on books, I worked on documentary films. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's a fantastic platform. You know, if you want to get um, people excited about science and exploration, you can't really wish for a better partner than National Geographic. You know, the National Geographic magazine is published in many different languages all around the world. How much time do you spend, um, well, I, I don't know how else to put it, but, well, I'll, I'll just say excavating and, and digging for dinosaur bones. Yeah, um, it depends. Not as much time as people believe, because, of course, we've got other, you know, uh, responsibilities uh, as part of our jobs. I mean, some paleontologists work in museums, other, others work in universities. So if you work in a university like I do, um, you know, there's, there's teaching, um, you know, you're, you're uh, taking students on, on field trips. Um, but, of course, we do spend some time in the field, and, you know, that's really one of the best parts because you get to travel to these far-flung corners of the world. You get to explore really exotic places. Um, and so we spend a few weeks uh, each year um, in the field, um, you know, essentially resurrecting ancient ecosystems and excavating these incredible dragons from deep time. And how do you know where to look? 
that's a very good question because you know um, we're using a lot of cutting edge technology nowadays to to kind of figure out um, a lot of different things about dinosaurs, but the actual process of digging up dinosaurs is still still remains uh, relatively unchanged and um, over the last uh, you know one hundred years really. Um, so we still spend a lot of time walking around deserts, looking for for little bits of bones sticking out of the ground. So you really need a lot of patience. You need a, a good eye, and you know, in in terms of what what can we do to to narrow things down, one thing we can do is we can um, uh, look at geological maps. So we look at geological maps, and those maps tell us roughly where rocks of the right age are exposed at the surface. That kind of narrows it down a little bit. Um, then we go to these places, and then um, you know we spend a lot of time walking around looking for <laughs> for um, you know bones sticking out of the ground. Is there equipment or technology now that that can look down into the ground and and sort of show uh, outlines of things that might be down there? Uh, I wish. <laughs> Um, we don't. We uh, that only works in Jurassic Park. Um, so we. Um, well, that's why I we wonder because you know we see these these images of of people using. Um, sun- yeah, ground penetrating radar and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, no, that that doesn't really work. Um, so it, partly because you know the the bones, the fossils, and the rocks they are embedded in are very very similar. So it's really hard to pick up the differences. It, it only works under very, very specific circumstances, and it's basically never really been um, done on a, on a grand scale. Um, so, you know, we still do it the old-fashioned way. You know, you're looking for little bits of bone coming out of, of you know, the ground somewhere, and, you know, in, in the hope that there's more hidden um, underneath. And, um, you know, but there's also a certain... You know, it is kind of nice because, as I said, we use a lot of cutting-edge technology and we spend a lot of time hunched over our computers. So it's kind of nice to go out there and dig up dinosaurs uh, in much the same way that um, scientists did it like a century ago. And when you're doing that, um, and and you said a couple times, Nizar, that you might see pieces of bone sticking up out of the ground are they that close to the surface I, I i just have this impression that they're buried deep with layers of civilizations you know piled up yeah. on top of well them. well in many places they are and in those places it is nearly impossible to find them right i mean you would need um people to 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 go uh you know very deep underground um, and it, sometimes it happens by accident. I mean, there's a famous uh, dinosaur site in Belgium, for example, in Bernissart, where basically, you know, people were mining. And so they were deep underground and they just found this herd of plant-eating dinosaurs called iguanodons. Um, and so, you know, in that particular case, they really were deep underground and, and hit this, this dinosaur bone-bearing layer, right? But... Um, Really, the only skeletons paleontologists can hope to to discover and uncover are the ones that are at the surface. So we're looking at places where rocks of the right age have been pushed to the surface, right? Um, And uh, that's really the only way you can do it. So we're looking at a 
um, a very specific kind of place where rocks of the right age are exposed at the surface and everything that's above these rock layers has either eroded away or been pushed aside. Um, so it's a, a subset of, of, of rocks that we're looking at where we really can get things literally at the surface. When you were on the show, I think, uh, a year ago, um, it may be longer, but <laughs> I remember talking with you before, and am I remembering this right, that, that you or a team you were part of actually discovered a new species of dinosaur? Yeah, we have, um, we, we've uh, collected fossils from many different kinds of, of uh, animals from the age of dinosaurs. Um, some of them are entirely new species, and it's not just dinosaurs. There's also new kinds of crocodile-like hunters and flying reptiles. Um, and, uh, you know, most of these are still um, undergoing, you know, preparation work and, and are still being studied. So we still have a few animals we have to find suitable names for. Um, and, and then sometimes we find animals that uh, already have a name, but um, are very poorly understood. So one of the dinosaurs we're working on is a giant predatory dinosaur called Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus was named um, back in 1915, over a century ago, but the only skeleton of this dinosaur was destroyed in World War II in 1944. Mm -hmm. And so the new skeleton we're working on, it's, it's a skeleton of Spinosaurus, um, is the only one of this dinosaur in existence in the entire world. So this is a dinosaur that already had a name, but in a sense, it, it was, you know, um, it's almost like it had gone extinct twice, right? I mean, once in the Cretaceous and then again in World War II, it had disappeared again. Um, so it was uh, a real thrill, you know, um, working on a new skeleton of this enigmatic dinosaur, which, by the way, is bigger than T-Rex. And weren't you part of um, the the group that that found that new specimen? Yeah, we've been going back to the dig site um, uh, several years now, and um, we continue to find new bones of this skeleton. Uh, it is now the most complete predatory dinosaur known from the Cretaceous of, of mainland Africa. Um, and we're finding more and more bones. In fact, we are, I have some fossils right now in my lab that we're working on. Um, and the really cool thing about this animal is it's kind of breaking the mold. It's, uh, it's nothing like the other dinosaurs we know. Um, it's a crocodile-snouted giant predator with a paddle-like tail, uh, which it used to propel itself through the water. So it's, uh, it's essentially a river monster. It's a water-loving dinosaur. And that was a first in, in the, the history of dinosaur paleontology. We used to think that dinosaurs were essentially all land-dwelling animals. But here we are. We have a giant, largely aquatic dinosaur um, eating big SUV-sized fish in an ancient river <laughs> system in what is now the Sahara. Um, and that's, that's pretty incredible. And that's, you know, you asked me about the new things we found out about dinosaurs. That's another one. You know, we understand dinosaurs, you know, the anatomy and, and physiology of dinosaurs in more detail now. But we're also finding out that dinosaurs were more diverse and more adaptable than we previously gave them credit for. And Spinosaurus is a prime example. Yeah, well, we've always thought of them as being sort of lumbering. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it's, 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 um, it's telling that, you know, we, have, we always have this 
kind of um, temporal chauvinism where we always kind of think, well, if things are extinct, that means that they're somewhat inferior. And, they were you slow. Know, so we had this they, they were slow. Yeah, so they were dumb. <laughs> they were lumbering along and, you know, things just rolled over top of them. Exactly. So, so, you know, all of these outdated ideas are so deeply ingrained that even today, if you call a politician a dinosaur, it's usually not a compliment, right? It just means, <laughs> oh, you know, this guy is kind of, you know, and, and of course, nothing could be further from the truth. It should be a compliment because, of course, dinosaurs are one of nature's greatest success stories, right? I mean, they've dominated life on our planet for a very, very long time. And, and mammals, uh, we always think of mammals as inherently superior creatures. Mammals lived in the shadows of the dinosaurs for a very, very long time. They, they only got their lucky break when uh, a meteorite kind of spelled the end um, of the age of, of the dinosaurs. And one thing we shouldn't forget when we're talking about dinosaurs and extinction is that, you know, as I said, one branch of the dinosaur tree made it through the extinction event, and those are the animals we now call birds, and there are more bird species than mammal species in the world today. So, you know, I think in, in many ways dinosaurs continue to, to be a, a big success story. Well, they they are absolutely amazing, and I am just as fascinated with them now as I was when I was a little kid, and and I think a lot of people are, and these are, and you you must uh, you must just love going to work every day. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, as I said, I, <laughs> I kind of made up my mind when I was four or five years old. I knew I wanted to be a paleontologist, and um, you know. It, there. there are obviously not many jobs out there for paleontologists. It's quite competitive, but, you know, um, I, I get to do, um, you know, I get to live my dream, but also I get to do all these incredible things. I get to travel to places that very few people get to see. Um, I get to um, uh, work on these incredible dragons from deep time. Um, and, you know, my, my days are never boring. They're always in interesting projects. You know, I work on exhibits and documentary film projects. I, I teach students. Um, I work with colleagues all around the world. We use cutting-edge technology to flesh out dinosaurs. So it's, um, it's you know, it's, it's a, it is a dream come true for me. Well, Nizar, um, I, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Actually, I can. It's always fun to talk with you and uh, to talk about dinosaurs. Um, but as you may remember, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, um, about you and your work, past, present, and future, but also about um, Nat Geo's uh, uh, Dinomania celebration um are, are sure. there a couple of good uh resources or good websites that that people that you'd like to share with people sure um i mean uh, a really good place to start is uh if you have a young budding paleontologist at home is um kids.nationalgeographic.com slash animals slash prehistoric and that basically takes you to um uh, a page with lots of information on the latest discoveries and you know you can look at dinosaur posters you can take a dinosaur quiz um, and you can find out more about the incredible range of dinosaur themed books that uh, national graphic kids has um, if you want to find out more about my work you can um, the easiest thing is probably just to to type my name into your search bar 
uh, Nizar Ibrahim, you'll find lots of uh, interesting links to some of our recent uh, discoveries. Um, and another thing that I, I recommend is, um, you know, there was a big National Geographic cover story in uh, 2020, and it's called Reimagining Dinosaurs. You can still find that online, and it has uh, the, you know, a really nice overview of the latest science in, in dinosaur paleontology and some pretty stunning visuals. Well, Nizar, thank you so much for spending uh, some time and sharing your expertise with me and the listeners this morning and uh, keep up the good work sure thank you so much for having me take Thanks. care bye-bye again that was um, dr nizar ibrahim he is a vertebrate paleontologist um, and comparative anatomist i think i'm saying that right with a background in the bio and geosciences and a phd in vertebrate paleontology his teaching and research affiliations include the University of Detroit Mercy, the Carnegie Museum of Natural History in Pittsburgh, and the University of Portsmouth in the UK. And uh, he has teamed up with uh, Nat Geo Kids to uh, help celebrate everything dinosaur for uh, Dinomania, and you can find out more about that. Um, at National Geographic. And with that, we're going to take a uh, short break. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. About four days ago, a plane landed at Idlewild Airport. The plane came from the Middle East, bearing a man who claims to be 2,000 years old. He spent the last six days at the Mayo Clinic. (laughs) Sir, is it true that you are 2,000 years old? Oh, boy. Yes. You are too... Uh, it's hard to believe, sir, because in the history of man, nobody's ever lived more than 167 years as the man from Peru would claim to be. But you claim to be 2,000. Yes, I'll be... I'm not yet. I'll be... I'll be uh, 2,000 October 16th. <laughs> yes. You will be 2,000... Where, when were you born? We uh, didn't have uh, formal years and names and, and writing. We didn't know. I see. And what... Nobody kept time then. See, we didn't... No, we didn't write. We just sat around. We pointed in the sky and we said, whoa, hot boy, you know? That's all you said? We didn't even know it was the sun. We thought... uh, You mean you really didn't know anything? We didn't know anything. We were so dumb and stupid. (laughs) We didn't know who was a lady. (laughs) But they weren't. They was with us. We didn't know who they were. We didn't know who was the you, ladies and who was fellas. You, you thought know? it was they were just different type of yes, fellas? Yes, just stronger or smaller or yeah, softer. The softer ones, I think, were ladies all the time. <laughs> what, what, how did you find out they were ladies? A cute, fat guy could, he could have mistaken him for <laughs> Soft and cute. Who was the person who discovered the female? Bernie. <laughs> who was Bernie? Bernie, one of the first leaders of, the, of our group. And he discovered the female. Yes. How did it happen? He How said, it hey, there's, there's ladies here. <laughs> I'm very interested to find out how Bernie discovered the woman. Well, he... How did he, it come to pass? He, one morning, he got up smiling. <laughs> so, he said, I think there's ladies here. <laughs> so, I said, what do you mean, you know? So, he said, because in the night... I was thrilled and delighted. See? <laughs> so then he went into such a story that uh, it's hundreds of years later, I still blush. Sir, uh, could you give us the secret of your longevity? Well, the major thing, the major thing is that I never, ever touch fried food. <laughs> I, I don't eat it, I wouldn't look at it, and I don't touch it. And, and the... Uh, Never run for a bus. There'll always be another. Even if, even if you're late from work, you know. I never run for a bus. I never ran. I just strolled jaunty, jolly, walking to the bus stop, you know. Yeah, well, there were no buses in the time no, of uh, in my Iraq. in my time, I mean, I... Uh, what was the means of transportation then? Mostly fear. <laughs> fear transported you? Fear, yes. You would see an animal would, would growl. You would go two miles in a minute. But I suppose you Fear had... would be the main propulsion. Yes, but I think most people are interested in living a long and fruitful life as yes. you have. You mentioned... Fruit is good, too. You mentioned fruit. <laughs> fruit kept me going for 140 years once when I was, I was on a very strict diet, mainly nectarines. I love that fruit. It's a half a peach, half a plum, Sorry. such a hell of a fruit. I love it. Not too cold, not too hot, you know, just nice. What has been Even your... our rotten one is good. 
<laughs> That's how much I love them. I'd rather eat a rotten nectarine than a fine plum. What do you think of that? I can understand that. Yes, that's how much I love them. Yes, I can understand that. Yes, yes. Sir? Some good things. Sir, what uh, did you do for a living? Well, many years ago, thousands of years ago, there was no heavy industry. We know that. <laughs> the most uh, things that we manufactured or we made, the most things that we ever made was uh, we would make, uh, take a piece of wood, see, and rub it and, and rub it and clean it and look at it and hit earth with it and hit a tree with it. For what purpose? Just to keep busy. There was nothing. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing to do. We had no jobs, don't you see? What other jobs were there? There must have been something else besides hitting a tree with a no, piece of that, stick. No, that, well, hitting a tree with a piece of stick was already a good job. <laughs> you couldn't get that job, you know? What job? Mainly was sitting and looking in the sky was a big job. And another job was watching each other was one thing. <laughs> that was lifelike, looking at each other. And uh, what uh, language did you speak at that They spoke... Uh, uh, rock, basic rock. Basic rock. Yeah. That was before Hebrew. Yeah, well, it was 200 years before Hebrew. It was the rock language or rock talk. Could you give us an example yes. of that? Uh, hey, uh, put that, don't throw that rock at me. Put that rock at me. <laughs> hey, now, what are you doing with a rock there? Call a policeman, for God's sake. Put that rock away. I see. That was the rock. Now, do you remember, do you remember your Hebrew, sir? Yes, I... I Would you speak I think I remember it fluently. Because I understand the modern Hebrew is different from the... Uh, yes, it differs in some of the phonetic alliterations and patterns. Yes. Can, yes. can we hear an example of the ancient Hebrew? Uh, the very ancient Hebrew is... Uh, oh, hi there. Hello. <laughs> Hello there, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? That's English. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Do you remember any Hebrew? Very little, I think. <laughs> I don't think I remember it. I must have forgot a great deal of it. <laughs> I think you forgot it all, sir. Maybe all, yes. Maybe all. Yes. It's thousands of years since I needed it. In, now, now, sir, did you, ever, did you ever have any formal job, as we know it today? Yeah, well, I was a manufacturer. I was an owner. What kind of a factory did you have? I had a... Uh, I used to make the Star of David, the Jewish stars. I was one of the first makers Oh, yes, that. the little thing you wear said, uh, yeah, as soon as religion came in, I was one of the first in that. <laughs> I figured this is a good thing. Yes, and how did you make them? Did you have tools? Well, we didn't have uh, lathes. I employed six men. See, each with a point. <laughs> and they used to run together in the middle of the factory. And in their great speech, they would fuse the thing. And it would Thus make, making a star. Yes, we would make two a day because of the many accidents. <laughs> we have six men running at high oh. speed. But boy, you know, plenty of accidents. You never thought of going into anything else? No, I had an author once. What a was fella it? came to me, Simon. What did Simon ask you to do? He said, if you have a new thing, a new item, a winner, it looks like a winning item that is going to be a big seller, it's called a cross. <laughs> and uh, I looked at it and I turned it over and I looked in all sides of it and I said, uh, it's simple. It's too simple. I didn't know then it was eloquent. Uh, <laughs> you mean you, no, you, I didn't know it would be such turned, a hit. You turned him down. And I said, I'm sorry, but I'm too busy. Uh, See, I could have, I could have fired four men. Two men run together, bang! You got a cross. <laughs> See, I could have saved. I would, well, I would I have had over a hundred dollars today if I went in the crosses. They're in everywhere. Today. By the way, sir, uh, are you married? I have been married several hundred times. <laughs> several hundred yes. times. Yes. You have been married. Do you remember all your wives? One I remember well. <laughs> Which one was that? The third one, Shirley. <laughs> I remember her. I that. I'm afraid to ask the next question. You had many hundreds of wives. Hundreds and hundreds of wives. How many children, children do you have? 
I have over 42,000 children, and not one comes to visit me. You must have known some great men in your time. You did travel throughout I the world. I knew the great and the near great. Could I ask you about some of these? Certainly. I'll tell you the true, the true whether I knew or not. For instance, people are people are very interested in somebody like Joan of Arc. A lot has been written about her, and we read a lot about her. Ah, what a cutie. Joan of Arc. You knew Joan of Arc. I went with her, dummy. I went with her. Nowhere in history do we uh, know of Joan going with anybody. Well, they don't print that. They don't print everything. You didn't marry her. No, no, I didn't marry her because she was on a mission, you know. Yes, she used she... to say to me, she used to say to me, uh, I've got to save France. I used to say, I look, i got to wash up. You save France. <laughs> see you later. After you'll save France, I'll wash up, you know. How did you Paul feel? Paul and her me and mine. Yes. No? How did you feel about her being burnt at the stake? Terrible. <laughs> See, I didn't... I didn't know. Uh, sir, how about some of the legendary characters who supposedly might have existed? For instance, Robin Hood. Did he exist? Oh, yeah. Lovely man. Ran around in the forest. Did he really steal from the rich and give to the poor? No, he didn't. He didn't. He stole from everybody and kept everything. <laughs> well, how did legend... How did legend... How did legend spring up that he was... He had a fellow Marty. Marty, the press agent, ran in all the papers and wrote in scrolls. He took the rich and gave to the poor. Who knew? Who knew? He'd give you such a knock in the head when they robbed you, you wouldn't remember anything. In other words, uh, we... He was a tough guy. I hate to have our, our legendary figures smashed like well, this. Well, I hate to smash him for it. <laughs> yes. But did you, you... You've lived so long. Did you ever have an accident in all this time? Some an accident or An accident. Oh, an accident. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, in the, in the year 61... I was hit, uh, I was run over by seven men fleeing a lion. <laughs> they ran me over. That, that's the extent of all that. But the... they didn't have insurance, I didn't have insurance. <laughs> there was no such thing then. Uh, so who, you laid there till you got back. What amazed yeah. <laughs> In the 2,000 years you've lived, you've seen yes, a lot of changes. Yes, uh, certainly. What is the biggest change you've seen? In 2,000 years, the greatest thing mankind ever devised, that I think, in my humble opinion, is saran wrap. You can put a sandwich in it You can look through it You can touch it You can put it over your face You can pull around and everything It's you so mean, good it kills you, you can would, wrap it up You equate this I love it. it You can put three olives in it And put a little one You can put ten sandwiches in it And make a picture of it Whatever you want It clings and it sticks it's You right. equate this with You can this, look right through it You equate this with man's discovery of space That was good <laughs> That was good that, that was a good thing Well, sir uh, We space. don't have too much more time But we all here would like to know your code. Well, all right. Is this it? You're My on. Farewell? Your okay. farewell address. Hello there. <laughs> this is 2,000 years talking to you from the depths of back there when we was. Now I'm still and they not. <laughs> and I just want to say, keep your smile on your face and stay out of a Ferrari or any small Italian car. <laughs> You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here.
It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.